Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty's Social Impact Pioneers podcast series. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. These interviews with social impact pioneers provide you with insights, different perspectives, advice and maybe a little inspiration, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision-making and action-taking. This podcast conversation today forms part of a short series looking at climate justice or how businesses put people at the heart of their climate action. My guest today is Patrick Nogaya. He coordinates Farm Africa's regenerative agriculture project in Kenya. Their aim is to support smallholder farmers to increase agricultural productivity and build resilience to climate change risks. Today, we are going to deep dive into regenerative agriculture, what it is, where it comes from, the pros and the cons, and why it is helping to build resilience, climate resilience. Patrick is an agronomist with more than 19 years experience. In that time, he's established village-based agent models, developed market linkages, and understands the financial services links. We're going to talk about all of these issues today. So Patrick, welcome. Thank you, uh, Kit. It's good to have you around. Oh, Patrick, thank you for giving the time to Join us today for this conversation. And Patrick, uh, this conversation forms part of a series that we are doing at the moment, looking at how business can tackle climate justice. And I wanted to open our conversation today to invite you to explain to us what regenerative agriculture means in the parts of Kenya that you're working in. And we will then get on to the climate justice element of that shortly. Patrick. Uh, thank you, Kit. I would say that regenerative um, agriculture in the context of Kenya is a system of farming principles and practices that seeks to rehabilitate and uh, enhance our ecosystem of the farm, especially placing heavy premium on uh, soil health and uh, attention to water management and uh, fertilizer use. It helps to improve the resources uh, rather than de de destroying or depleting them. So we would say that uh, regenerative agriculture helps to rehabilitate uh, the organic matter in the soil, increase the carbon storage, retention moisture, and also safeguarding our biodiversity and our living. And uh, that means basically what we would consider in the Kenyan context, the benefits of regenerative agriculture is that uh, it's able to improve the, the soil health, uh, reduce the, the soil erosion. By reducing the soil erosion, it encourages the water to infiltrate into the soil and uh, protect the water sources. Through also the regenerative agriculture, we are also to, able to preserve the indigenous uh, knowledge. And also, more important uh, through the regenerative is that uh, it's able to decrease the greenhouse gases emission to the environment by ensuring that uh, the carbon from the atmosphere 
is sequestered, sequestered into the into the cloud. And uh, overall, uh, we are able to improve on the food food security situation, and uh, this helps also in preserving our soil by biodiversity. So maybe in a nutshell, that's what I would uh, argue about regenerative agriculture in our context. It sounds like a bit of a sort of win all around the wicket, and we might come on to some of why it hasn't been perhaps adopted faster elsewhere um, and, and more broadly. But Patrick, first of all, I wanted to ask you a bit about your own personal journey. So how do you come to be working on, on regenerative agriculture? What's, what's, what's your sort of journey to this point? Personally, I'm a trained agronomist with uh, over 18 years working with smallholder farmers. That means working with smallholder farmers in a community-based organization, cooperative self-help groups, in uh, assisting them in agronomy and marketing of the produce, and also uh, involved in the business development, especially with the SMEs or small micro enterprises in the, in the, in the region. Uh, so when I saw an advert on regenerative agriculture by Farm Africa, uh, it was an, an exciting opportunity for, I would say, uh, as a personal career growth, especially in the areas of agriculture, business, and the environment that uh, Farm Africa is involved, and uh, to provide an opportunity to share my, my knowledge and with the organization and farmers in also developing the VBA business model in advancing the regenerative agriculture knowledge and practices. And in so, do, in so doing, also being able to influence the policymakers, stakeholders, and collaborators in areas of regenerative agriculture. A massively important role then, Patrick. Thank you for sharing that with us. As I mentioned up front, this podcast is part of a series looking at climate justice. And by climate justice, I think we mean as much around putting people at the heart of climate action. What does climate change look like in the areas that you're working in? I mean, are you already seeing it? Is it already affecting you? Yes, climate change is real and it's affecting the community where we are working in. Uh, we are working in uh, in the Upper Eastern of Kenya. And uh, I would say we already experiencing episode of uh, climate change, which are manifested by seasonal changes in precipitation and temperature of varying uh, severity. And dur dur duration, despite the country being overrunned on rain-fed agriculture. So there the are negative uh, impacts that are being felt, such as uh, increased temperatures, the shifting agroecological eco ecosystem boundaries, whereby you find areas that uh, never used to experience prolonged drought now have this kind of drought. We have in invasive crop pests, crop and pests, and then also diseases, then uh, frequent extreme weather events. And that has an effect also in reducing the crop yields and also nutritionally, the quality of major cereals is, is wanting. So you also find there is a um, severe soil lard degradation and uh, loss of productive lard and biodiversity. The rivers and streams, if you walk around the, the, the area, you find that um, the underground water table has gone down and volumes at the water towers have uh, have re reduced 
the farming population is being forced to walk long distances in search of water and pasture. We would say that there's also increased uh, conflict of water and pasture uh, scrabbling for limited resources. And uh, of course, like, uh, like uh, any other country, uh, you find that there's an increased cost of foodstuff due to drought. And uh, that means that uh, there's reduced purchasing power for the farming households, maybe in a nutshell. Maybe in a nutshell, Patrick, but painting a pretty vivid picture of what that feels like. And, and anybody listening, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what this looks like for you, wherever you are in the world. Please do add your comments just underneath the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Patrick, bringing those two pieces together, how does regenerative farming potentially help adaptation and therefore resilience to climate change for people that you're working with for their livelihoods and their lives? People are adopting uh, differently in, uh, to, to climate change. You find that uh, some of the farmers have adapted to storing dried legume husks for feeding livestock during the harsh weather conditions. They keep the, the dried legume husks because they know the, the animals uh, really require them. Then we, we also have farmers have adopted to multi-story kitchen gardens through the project that uh, we are implementing, uh, we're also enhancing farmers to adopt the multi-story kitchen gardens. Uh, this reduces the cost of purchasing, especially the, the vegetables, and are able to consume safe, nutritious foods at the household level, which is faced by the diminishing uh, economic returns. Then we've been uh, sensitizing the, the community in conserving the biodiversity by not cutting agroforestry trees. So in so doing, you find that as, uh, the farmers in the areas have been able to adopt, uh, like I would say, they are able to use uh, one of the agroforestry trees, that is a sweet acacia tree uh, that is able to produce pods, and they are able to harvest the, the pods and feed to livestock. And uh, through talking to them, they've been able to say that uh, by feeding the, the livestock, the pods, it is able to improve on milk production and uh, also the quality of the, of the milk. Farmers also have adopted by using early maturing crop varieties and diversification to different types of uh, cereals and, uh, and uh, pulses. Uh, then uh, farmers now appreciate the need of agroforested trees and diversifying uh, into those fertilizer trees, especially Caliadra, Eukenia. Then we have the medicinal trees uh, such as Moringa and Neem. And uh, because of ensuring continuous maintenance of the agroforested trees, uh, farmers now are planting fruit trees such as citrus, macadamia, and mangoes. And uh, this ensures that uh, the farmers uh, find the benefit of uh, uh, having those uh, uh, fruit trees in their farms and they don't have to destroy them. Uh, then also we have some farmers who are constructing water harvesting, water harvesting structures like water pans, water tanks, and drip irrigation system for the high-intensive farmers. That's amazing. And, and Patrick, I sort of mentioned this earlier on a bit, but why is it new or is it sort of going back to perhaps ways of farming and looking at your land before 
And also, are there any negatives? Like, What's holding this back? What's holding regenerative farming back from being kind of the way that farming takes place? You can see I can tip into that uh, because you find that um, previously uh, farmers used to, to do that, to conserve the, the biodiversity. But along the way, because of uh, so much commercialization, then uh, and uh, the demand for uh, for for food, then uh, there was indiscriminate use, especially of inorganic uh, inorganic fertilizers. So, and uh, in the olden days, farmers used to apply organic manure, but now they moved completely to inorganic. And uh, when they move to inorganic, it means uh, there is a lot of uh, high, uh, we'd say low low pH, high acidic source. And uh, when we have high acidic source, it means that it reduces on the crop cover because the crop that is produced is uh, less in terms of nutrients. The crop is not able to utilize the nutrients that are in the in the soil. Then we have the areas whereby they've been uh, cultivating the the land uh, using the some of those old technology uh, like the moldboard uh, plow uh, that uh, was meant to ensure more farmers get into the into the farm through the farming their 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 land or tilling their land using the tractor. This forms a hard pan. So when it forms a hard pan and it rains, uh, it means the loose soil is uh, uh, driven to the downstreams to the to the to the water valleys. So it leaves the the soil that is uh, not rich in nutrients and cannot hold the crop is degraded is degraded. So in the process, it means that uh, the farmer did cut the trees that were more beneficial in the olden days that uh, could assist in ensuring that uh, those trees are able to sequestrate a lot of uh, carbon uh, carbon into the into the soil. I don't know whether I've responded to to your question. Oh yes, you definitely have, and I I was curious. When you start introducing that sort of the regenerative farming techniques, which, as you just painted, you know, it's almost kind of going back to where farming had been before. What's the reception? Are people really open to it? Do they do they like it, or is there a kind of what's holding it back from from being more used in communities that you work in? There is a lot of uh, there's a reception. Huh? Farmers. For those farmers that we've worked with and they've tested, they're able to appreciate that uh, through these regenerative agriculture practices, I'm becoming more resilient to drought because you find uh, like some of the regenerative agriculture is that you mulch the land. So when you mulch, it means, and uh, we have little rainfall that is being received by the by the households or the farms, eh? it is able to conserve the soil moisture. So when you conserve the soil moisture, in essence, it means you are able to harvest more from the farmer as compared to a farmer who never used the regenerative agriculture practice. So slowly and slowly, 
it has a lot of work because for you to use mulching, it means you have to uh, get the the leftovers, uh, maybe the maize, uh, maize stopovers, stopovers, the bean stalks, which is in competition with the animal. Also preparing the farmyard manure, it takes it takes time. Planting of those agroforestry trees, it's a cost to the to the, to the farmer, but it has a reward for those who are implementing. They are getting the reward. It's it's only that it takes it takes time because they are in the curve. There's those area adopters and the rate adopters. So the area adopters are finding the benefit. So we are now moving to the to the middle adopters, and then we can have the red adopters maybe later in the phase of uh, of implementation. Oh well, massive good luck as you uh, roll out that implementation. And Patrick, anybody who's listening, perhaps you're, you're clearly a massive expert in this. So um, if if you wouldn't mind, I'll um, let them get connected with you to find out more. So if you're listening and you want to get connected with Patrick, I'll I'll make sure. I find a way of, of putting a link in the notes that sit alongside the podcast so you can do just that. Patrick, the name oh. is on the tin. We are Business Fights Poverty. We care deeply about how business, particularly bigger businesses maybe, can also learn from you. And what would therefore your advice be? So how could businesses who are perhaps the buyers or participants in farming supply chains around the world, how could they support or work better with regenerative farmers? One, especially for the big, big businesses, I would encourage them that uh, they ensure that the farmers in their supply chain have the tools and knowledge uh, to practice regenerative farming so that uh, we don't have a particular organization or arm that is promoting regenerative agriculture farming. So you could also be involved fully it can go a long way in ensuring that uh, of the supply chain. Then uh, supporting of the introduction or expansion of the village-based advisors who are the, uh, they are close to the farmers and they can help train or spread knowledge to the farmers and link them to the market. The other probably important uh, point I would say to the big businesses is that they can introduce an incentive mechanism for the village-based advisors who have a direct reach with the edrain consumers of goods and services. So when they have an incentive mechanism, it encourages the VBAs to be able to reach to uh, more farmers within their network. Then uh, they can also work with more with the CBOs, the farmer cooperatives, the survey groups to aggregate produce and also assist in the provision of inputs and extension services to regenerative agriculture farmers. So there you go. If you're listening and you work in that space, <laughs> you've been told. And uh, yeah, just makes it just again makes really sort of classic sense to really help get those pieces of produce to market, but also really help that learning and understanding of and sharing across different markets and areas. Patrick, we. Leading up to the climate conference at the moment, and if you're listening to this, we're recording this just before, but um, you might be listening to this during or afterwards uh, in 2022. We're hearing a lot around big money being pledged towards 
green issues, particularly about carbon reduction. So lots of international money being pledged to for climate finance. However, I hear that there's challenges around getting that finance into adaptation and resilience type projects, which arguably regenerative farming is is in that space. And perhaps it seems to be stalling or there's a lot of talk about the money not getting to the places where it, it needs to. What would you say to anybody who is potentially out there, part of a system where they look at climate finance? What would you say to them in terms of get your money towards the resilience and adaptation projects such as regenerative farming? Thanks, Kit, for, for that question. One, I would say that uh, we'd need collaborative and uh, forward thinking or in, innovation investors or funders who are willing to take a long-term view uh, into, into the arena to uh, the projects uh, from the inception and design needs to involve the target communities from the world group, especially using the participatory approaches. The other thing uh, probably that I would argue is that uh, the projects involved in resilience and adaptation to be anchored in the in ongoing or facing out project. And uh, from where I sit, uh, also assistance is also needed in cas- cascading some of the policies to the local levels and customized based on the context specific. Thank you very much uh, for sharing that. So um, if you're out there and you are sitting on some money <laughs> to get in touch, but that's not the point. The point is about the understanding of, of those local communities and that collaboration. Patrick, to round off our conversation today, which has been fascinating, I have learned a lot. What's next for you? Where are you going what, what's your sort of ambition for this work? One, uh, Kate, is that um, I would feel that I've been able to, to accomplish if we can have more farmers, county and national government, embracing the regenerative agriculture technologies and practices so that we are able to increase the food security and climate resilience for our, our community or farming communities. That would be my my goal towards the regenerative agriculture approach. Well, on that pertinent note, Patrick, thank you very much for sharing your wisdom with us and your insights and the very best of luck with your mission. Thank you. I really appreciate also for the for your time. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.